Welcome to Slingstones, a podcast with insights for the Christian journey. Proudly brought to you by Healing Care Ministries. Now here's your host, Terry Wardle. I hope you're doing well today. Whenever you get a chance, go to the Healing Care website. There are not only resources there, but announcements about upcoming events. We have some exciting things happening. There's going to be a a seminar uh, conference in mid-August. It's on the healing power of listening, and we'd love to have you come to that. And there'll be several other events that are beginning to pop up. We're very excited about that. Actually, I'm soon off to Columbus. We're going to do our first face-to-face summer intensive and formational prayer seminar. And maybe some of you are going to be there or were there, given that this will be aired afterwards. I'm excited about it. I think we're going to have a wonderful time. So please go there when you get a chance. You know, one of the things that I've been emphasizing is how important story is. And I know for myself, there have been many aspects of my past that I just weren't wish weren't there. It's almost as if I, if my life were like a thousand-piece puzzle, there are certain pieces I've popped out and either hidden or thrown away. And yet one of the things I've learned is that for God, in his great love and patience, every aspect of our story, both good and bad, is something that has brought us to this moment. And when offered to him, it gives us the power to see the past redeemed and places that were even filled with darkness suddenly filled with light. Another thing that impacted me is years ago when I had an opportunity to spend a week listening to Elie Wiesel speak, he talked about how critical it is that we remember and that remembering is part of resolving, it's part of healing, it's part of growing. You know, sometimes I think of the process of remembering like the work of an archaeologist. Have you ever seen them go to a site and they they maybe uh, cordon off a small section, maybe two feet by two feet, and they begin to slowly dig down, looking at everything that comes up. And when they find an artifact, they work very carefully with it. They use a brush and a very small trowel, and they bring it out, and then they look at it, and they examine it, and they try to put the pieces together of the story that these artifacts are now revealing. And I think there's times in our own lives when this happens. And, you know, I've noticed it recently in my own life that it seems like a lot of stories are poking their head up from a long time ago, from my teenage years. And it's interesting to me because in my adult years, there have been amazing things happen and amazing places that I've been. Uh, Cheryl and I and the kids lived in uh, greater New York City area. Uh, We lived in an apartment house, and our neighbors were from Colombia and Germany and from Burkina Faso, and my kids played with them. It was was like a mini UN, and that was a, a great season of my life. And then, of course, I lived in Colorado and California and met, excuse me, wonderful people. But I've noticed of late that stories from my past begin to emerge little pieces. And I'm beginning to pay more attention to them and both delight in them and look at them 
and ask the Lord what it is he might be showing me. So if you don't mind, I'm going to share one of those stories that came up just the other day. You know, I've told you before that I grew up in a little town in western Pennsylvania. The town was called Finleyville. It wasn't large. At that time, there wasn't a single stoplight. One main street with a lot of stores and little grocery shops and one department store and a couple pharmacies. And at one time, when I was very small, there was actually a little theater in our town. Certainly a couple uh, garages, one of which my grandfather owned. And that's where I grew up. And that's where all of my friends were from when I grew up. And I had a lot of friends, really close friends. And we did things together. And so the other day, this is what came up to me. One of my closest, best friends was David Geary. And then, of course, his brother Ed and Greg. And David was the son of one of the funeral directors in our town. And I spent so much time at their home. They lived right above the funeral, what would be the word, parlor. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I made my way up into Finleyville and walked up that tall set of steps to their upstairs and went in and mother and dad always greeted me with great joy and treated me wonderfully and I would sit on the couch with them and watch TV or off we would go. Now when we became old enough to drive, uh, none of us actually had cars, but David was allowed to take the hearse out for us to run around in. Now that's absolutely what I mean. It was this great big large station wagon that served two purposes for Mr. Gary's business. One, it was the hearse for funerals, but also if somebody needed to go to um, the hospital, uh, he was the local ambulance service. <laughs> it was even my opportunity several times when someone couldn't go with them that I would jump in and I would go off maybe with Dave and we would go somewhere to help somebody get to the hospital. Really kind of primitive, if you will, <laughs> but necessary. Well, we would get in that car, my friends, Brian, Barry, sometimes a kid next door named, uh, we called him Ernie and, uh, and David, and we would go off and we would do things. Now, can you imagine that, running around in a hearse, going to Eaton Park to eat, or pulling into Dairy Queen to get some ice cream? Well, on this one particular day, we were driving back from a little town called Library. And as you make the bend to go toward Finleyville, there is a truck farm there, a very famous truck farm now, and the farm is called Trax Farm. And it owned property on both sides of this little road on Route 88, and on the one side would be the big barn and uh, the store. On the other side was a large orchard. Now, they sold everything, and they grew it right there. And people came from Pittsburgh and all around to go to this truck farm to buy fruits and vegetables. Now, as we came around the corner, one of us noticed that to the left, the apples were really ripe in the orchard. And so we came up with a plan. Let's drive up into that orchard real quick and get some apples and then go home. Well, I don't, 
I don't know who came up with the idea, but that's exactly what we did. David pulled that hearse right up into the field, and we jumped out, and we all grabbed a couple apples, and we jumped back in the car, and off we went, and we were nervous and laughing and thought that we had pulled off almost a Bonnie and Clyde kind of uh, caper, <clears throat> and off we went down toward Finleyville, thinking that no one would know the better. Now, it was only a two-mile ride, so what would that take us, five minutes we pulled in to the funeral home, and Mr. Gary was waiting for us. And as we got out, he laid into us and basically said that the owners of Trax Farm had called and said they had seen his hearse up in the field and people jumping up out and stealing apples. Well, he gave us a piece of his mind and warned us. And then he turned away, and I remember he walked back up the steps, but as he shook his head, I swear I saw kind of a smile on his face. And I think the smile represented this. What in the world were those boys thinking? There's one hearse. Everybody for three counties around know, knows who owns it. And yet, there we were. We did it, and we thought we could get away with it, and we didn't. Well, Trax Farm forgave us. Mr. Gary never brought it up again. And in our nervousness, I'm not sure the rest of us ever told our parents what happened there. But that memory came back up to me. Now, part of the memory came, well, yep, I did those kind of things. And there's a lot of those kind of things in my past I kind of wish I hadn't done. And the thought came to me, what were we thinking? And now that I know a little bit about neurobiology and the fact that the midfrontal cortex doesn't really shape itself well or mature in young guys until they're about 24 or 25 years old, I guess I could say we weren't thinking. We were just reacting on impulse. But you know what I then, as I took my memory brush and my little trial and began to pull that out, what came to my mind was those friends. How important those friends were to me. We had gone to grade school together. We had gone to junior high school together. We had gone to high school. We were in high school together. Normally, if you found one of us, you found the other of us. And I began to realize that over the past 50 years, as I have met a lot of wonderful people and gone some great places and, well, maybe contributed a few things to the journey, that these early relationships were for me a place of safety and a place of growth, a place of experimentation, a place of taking risks, and that, in fact, they were very important to me. As I thought about that, I began to realize that there's been a loss in my life, and the loss has been in my life moving to all these different places to do these different things. Those particular four or five young men and I, we just didn't connect. We went our own separate ways, and that was particularly true of me because I made a choice that surprised everybody in our community, and that was a choice to become a Christian and then become a pastor and move forward. But as I sat and thought about this, 
I realized that even back then, God was not distant. He was part of placing me in those kinds of relationships. And as St. Ignatius said, I all of a sudden had this sense of gratitude for blessings great and small. Okay, I'll admit it. I'm reminiscing. There's a part of me that wishes I could just sit and have an evening dinner with Brian, Brian Spearman and Barry Glasser and David Gary and his brothers and, well, that's probably not gonna happen. But I'm grateful. And in my gratitude, I've decided I'd just reach back and send them a little instant message if they are on Facebook and say, thanks. Now look, I've mentioned this recently. I'm sure God's doing something in me, but maybe he's doing something in you. Are there some people of the past that it would be good for you to reach back and simply say thanks? Remember, as Elie Wiesel said, that all these pieces of the story are important, that there isn't, if you will, a part of your story that needs to be eliminated from the puzzle of your life. If your puzzle, if your life right now is like a thousand piece puzzle, try not to intentionally pull out certain pieces and put them away or throw them away because they're all part of where God meets us, the good, the bad, the, the light, the dark, the positive, the negative. Jesus can be present even now in all of those things. He's able to be a time traveler with us as we go back to think and to remember and to give thanks. Now, I've talked about this a couple times and you may be wondering, wonder what's going on with Terry that he's remembering like this. I'm not sure myself, but I know that it's important. I know that God is in there, and I think it leads eventually to gratitude. You know, when God brings up some of the stories of our past, it's often because he wants to meet us there. He may want to heal us there. He also wants to redeem those moments. And I think he wants us to elicit gratitude. So anyhow, some thoughts for today. I pray God's good blessing on you and that you know that his face shines upon you.